Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. People often reference an integrated world of work, but what exactly is a globalized workforce? In this HR Chat episode, we're going to ask what a company needs to do to be globally competitive, what key factors should be kept in mind when an organization considers expanding into a new market, and in terms of HR processes, payroll, and local compliance, what are those challenges when expanding globally that companies often get wrong? My guest to help me navigate the global waters of business today is Rick Hamill, founder and CEO over at Atlas, and author of Getting Bleep Done, the millennial CEO. Rick founded Atlas in 2015 from his dining room table after noticing gaps in the existing marketplace for solutions that enabled companies to expand into new markets simply, quickly, and compliantly. Under Rick's leadership, Atlas has grown from a local startup to a global tech firm with the capability to support clients in 160 plus countries. Atlas offers software platforms supported by a worldwide network of experts designed to help clients navigate the complexities of international HR, payroll, and local compliance. Rick Hamill, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the HR Chat Pod today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited about this conversation and, and thanks for having me. So Rick, beyond my wee introduction there, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and telling our listeners all about yourself? Don't talk too much about the mission of Atlas just yet. We will get into that later. So um, thank you for having me. I, you know, I'm super excited to talk a little bit about, you know, the organization, what we do, a little bit about my background. Um, but prior to Atlas, I was a head of HR for a government contractor who managed business in Saudi Arabia, Singapore, and Japan. And um, I found a need that we organizations needed to figure out a way to have flexible workforce to hire talent in different countries without having to set up entities. So um, my mission has always been um, to help people um, find a way to create equal opportunity for organizations, if it's small to large organizations, to really compete in the global workforce. So super excited to be here and, and talk a little bit about how um, that dream came true. Wonderful. Thank you. So you've spoken a little bit about yourself there. You also hinted at the mission of Atlas, but uh, why don't you now take some time and, and delve into that mission? And also as part of the answer, perhaps you can suggest what does a direct employer of record model mean? Yeah. So an employer of record, we are, um, we own and operate all of our entities around the world. What that means is that we do not outsource to third parties. Um, we really actually know how to do business in those particular countries. And actually, that's part of the reason why we got started. In my prior history, as I mentioned, I was working in government contracting. And in government contracting, I looked for an organization that could support this and really um, can help me truly onboard employees in different countries where I didn't have legal entities. Um, I found organizations had, that had more like a brokerage relationship where they outsourced to third parties. Um, but in my my experience, those third parties um, didn't have any contractual obligation to me. and so. Every time I needed, every time there was an issue or employees weren't getting paid on time, um, it just became a bigger issue. Actually, during that process, I learned the word inshallah. And if you know what inshallah means, it means God willing. 
So when I would call them and say, hey, is my employee, are my employees going to get paid this week uh, on time, um, their providers were saying, inshallah, we don't know, you know, God willing. <laughs> and that's not the best customer service or employee experience. And so when we started Atlas, we knew our mission and vision was going to be to set up our own entities, have that direct relationship so that we can have a better employee experience and client experience, given that I was a client before. And so what that means is we've, we learned how to do business in those particular countries. We learned how to offboard and onboard employees. In France, we learned how to do pension payments in Brazil. We learned how to do money transfers into China without having heavy taxes, all to support the overall experience with our clientele um, and our employees. So the direct model is where we own and operate, we don't outsource, and we truly can give a better client experience and employee experience in this employer record model. HR in Review is a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. You can subscribe at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast or find us on your podcast app. So, Rick, people reference a globalized workforce all the time, right? Um, but that's not always accurate. What what truly is, in your mind, what truly is a globalized workforce? And perhaps part of that answer, uh, you could also suggest what are some of the big benefits of a globalized workforce? Yeah, so when we talk about globalized workforce, it's not just outsourcing to third countries and looking for cheaper talent. It's really finding the best talent and and, and for the type of positions that you're looking to hire. So not just looking for the people that are in your time zone or within your um, zip code, you're looking for organizations that are, sorry, you're looking for employees that are going to be the best talent for your organization. And so it gives you a lot more flexibility behind that. So finding the best talent, you know, you're taking your talent pool from the thousands to the billions, I think is what's really amazing about this particular organization and what we do and how we support. But also looking at, you know, if you truly want to be a global organization, you want to look and feel global as well. That diversity with hiring talent around the world, they're bringing a different viewpoint um, to your organization. They're bringing different cultural nuances. And I think that's what allows companies to really expand and truly globalize um, when they're looking at global expansion. Okay, thank you. And in your opinion, Rick, does a company need to be global to be competitive? Yeah, I think that when you when you look at um, situations like in 2008, uh, uh, excuse me, um, and you look at situations like 2020, um, organizations that were ones that were able to survive those particular economic um, components were those who were truly global. They were diverse in their overall uh, footprint. They were at different clientels, and so the economies of different parts of the world gave them a lot more flexibility and a, a lot stronger foundation to get through um, those economic um, disasters. And so even you see today global organizations where not every economy is the same, um, they are able to kind of divert resources to different markets to really help them continue to grow their organizations without massive layoffs and um, churn. So that that globalization, that ability to be global really creates a very strong foundation for organizations around the world. Indeed, I agree with that. Some economies are much stronger than others right now, that's for sure. So if you're able to to have a, a, a wide variety of markets, you know, be, be all over the place, then uh, I guess you're you're making the best possible chances to future-proof your business during these uncertain times that we're all entering at the moment. Hey, Rick, what, what key factors should be kept in mind when an organization considers expanding into a new market then? Well, I think you have to understand that you have to respect the cultures that you're going into. 
Um, many times there are many examples where organizations like U.S. companies have gone into the Asian market and tried to do it the U.S. way and have ethically failed because of that. So really understanding the culture that you're looking to um, invest into and the type of clientele that you're going after there. Um, I think that's number one. Um, sometimes there's a notion that um, the American mentality does um, works for everyone and in actuality it doesn't. Um, every country, every culture has different nuances and we need to make sure we respect that. Another thing is time zones. Um, and this is a lesson that we learned here at Atlas as well, that clients want to make sure that they're serviced within their time zones as well. So as you're expanding your business and looking for talent, um, your strategy needs to look at not just the sales organization that's going to be there to support, but the what's going to happen after that and how you're going to truly support the client, um, which is another reason why you've seen with Atlas and our, our footprint where we are truly a, what we call a 24 um, six organization. The only day we're actually closed is Saturday across the globe. Um, and then also understanding the the language capabilities as well. Um, there's many case studies out there that says that you know English is not always the the language of choice in given markets. And so making sure that you're able to support your clientele uh, from a language perspective as well. So cultural time zone and um, language, I think it's really important when looking at your overall global strategy and how you're going to support your clientele and how you're looking to expand your business. Now that's on the that's on the on the, the client side, the revenue side, but the employee side is also really important too. Um, when you're creating opportunities in different markets, employees, especially today, employees want to be able to see a career opportunity with um, the organization that they're working with. So they don't want to just rely on centralized um, U.S. organization operations. They want to make sure that they see growth. And look, we've done a lot of hiring in the last couple of months, actually ourselves, after our Series B close. Um, we've hired over 200 people throughout the world recently. And the number one question that always comes up is, what's my career opportunity here? Am I just going to be a individual that's in a particular location, um, but do I have actually have career opportunity here? And so making sure that as you're building your structure, understand that can be done, like necessarily can't be done day one, but when you're looking at longevity in a particular market, how do you support your teams? It's gonna be really important and making sure that they can see the longevity of your investment into that market. I love the answer, Rick, thank you very much. Um, Okay, this is a podcast for HR people, of course. Um, let's get let's get specific and talk a little bit about HR issues for a moment, shall we? Uh, in, in your opinion, is it really important to have HR practitioners on the ground, so to speak, in 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 regional uh, locales um, because they understand the, the I don't know, for example, compliance issues uh, of, of that particular region? Or actually, is it okay for HR to be to be centralized in in an HQ, say in in the US, and managing things? from there? Well, it really depends on what your the overall strategy is for the organization, but you do have to have boots on the ground that really understand the nuances and how to do business in that particular country. And, and partnering with an employer record could be something like that, where you have HR professionals or legal professionals that can support you and your organization and how you do your people management or how you manage your people operations. Um, but in some cases, depending on your volume and size, it may make sense. Um, you Again, getting back to how you support your staff, um, it's going to be very important. And HR, um, it's, to me, is no longer just the personnel department. HR is a strategic partner. It's the one, it's the department that is really there to partner with the organization and help it grow. HR always must be at the table. Um, but 
if it's a physical table, meaning uh, you direct HR individuals that are in a particular country, or partnering with an employer of record who can support and provide those HR professionals and legal professionals for you in that country, I think it's key to have them there and really understand the nuances of the region or the country that you're looking to operate in. I would support that wholeheartedly, Rick. I think you're bang on there. Um, okay, do, do you find that there's a need to to be or do you, do you find there's any challenges when expanding globally that companies and hr teams don't always understand when when they're when they're planning those expansions and also how can companies navigate those challenges and complexities of entering those new markets it's it's funny you don't you don't see a smile on my face i'm, I'm laughing because there's apps to ask if there's a a challenge is a, a little bit of an understatement in how to do business abroad. But there are ways to do it a lot faster. There's a lot ways. To, there's ways to do, have more flexibility. Um, I, I bring up the employer record models. One of those ways to do it. But um, there's always a nuance because I think as HR professionals, we have our own innate biases of how we do business already. We're used to our own cultural nuances in our own countries and how we do that. So one thing that we tend to do from an employer of record perspective and how we consult with our clients, um, especially particularly in the US, um, we have to remind them that there are different nuances. Um, like for example, at will employment does not exist outside the US. Um, how you, um, you know, employment agreements, those, you know, those are typically done for executives in the U.S., not necessarily for all employees, where employment agreements must be completed for all employees in other countries. And so the training and the nuances of how to do business in those particular countries, is, it's really important. Um, the one thing that I love about our direct model, though, is the fact that we actually had to learn how to do those, um, do business in those countries. Um, we've got the cuts and bruises behind it, and but we've done that on behalf of our clients. Our clients don't have to go through those and can learn from our own um, challenges and, and the process and procedures that we put in place based on those, those learnings. And so um, is there challenges? Absolutely. But it's, it's important to partner with the right partner to understand how to navigate those challenges. And it's also really important that um, we understand that we have to get rid of our own innate biases on what it takes to do business or what we're used to and how we manage people in our, our home countries. And it's not just the U.S. It's other countries that we also have to complete that as well and make sure that we um, we train and help our clients understand, again, this complexity in every country that we do business and not every country is the same. Using situations like in Europe where it's a European Union, but every country has a different cultural nuance, um, it gets that um, that detailed. And so it's just important to realize um, what you need to learn and to kind of break those nuances from that perspective. Okay, thank you. I can tell that you live and breathe this stuff, Rick. Um, say, what, what does work culture look like when you truly have a globalized team? And how has that been complicated over the last few years as people have realized, you know what, we can work remotely, or certainly at the very least, we can have hybrid setups here, uh, which means people are not always in close contact with each other in a particular locale, right? You're not you're not picking up on um, those, those uh, non-verbal signals. You're not learning things through osmosis. You're, you're not uh, sucking up the company culture in traditional ways. Yeah, I think that you know when you think about nuances, I think that um, I think that's really important to to understand what we mean by cultural. Um, nuances these days. Um, I, I come from the traditional way of employees are in the office and um, you know, you're used to that building your cultural based on that office um, experience. But 
um, post-COVID, um, even, even prior to COVID, we started to get into a hybrid environment. We started to, at, at that point, but prior to COVID, we were at uh, three days in the office, two days uh, work from home, and very flexible with that employees were able to choose the days that they came to the office. Um, but we still had that cultural nuance where the office culture was really defined by everyone that came to the office. During COVID, we had to be a little bit more, um, um, I had to think outside the box a little bit more from that perspective. And we realized in some cases you do lose that. You do lose the ability to um, have a coffee with someone in an office or you know, take the five minutes just to have water to water cooler talk. But um, from there, we've also seen that, um, you know, make sure, making sure that we're proactive in those, making sure we have engagements. We like, for example, here at Atlas, we have our holiday parties. We have, um, you know, we have our uh, cocktail hours where we try to get everyone in a particular region together. We do lunches. Um, we don't do that. It's not as frequent as it would have been in the office, but we really try to make sure everyone feels included. We want to make sure that everyone doesn't feel like they're on an island. Um, we do um, still have office, so we do have flexibility with that. So we do have individuals who still come to the office and many of them on an, on an everyday basis. But we do also want to make sure that our teams who maybe don't come into the office on a regular basis, let them know that we're here for them, that they're supported. You can probably even see on our LinkedIn, we, we, you know, we do our welcome boxes with our staff. We do our town halls and coffee hours so that they still stay connected. We do our email communication from our leadership team. It's just making sure that people understand what's going on. Um, you do lose some of that connectivity in, in some cases, but I think as as um, as HR professionals, we, you take a step back and, you know, there's not a handbook out there that says this is the perfect way to do it. You you learn, you walk through it, you, you make mistakes, you fix from those mistakes and you create something new. That's something that we're all having to um, learn as, as individuals in this new normal that we live in. But I can tell you that um, our productivity for an organization has gone up. Um, our morale for an organization has gone up. So employees are engaging in that type of um, activity. They they like the, the flexibility that we're offering to them. So it's a give and take, um, but it's making sure that employers um, feel, employees and employers feel like we're still connected. Wonderful. And just finally for this conversation for today, Rick, uh, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's LinkedIn. Maybe you want to share your email address. Maybe you're super cool and you're all over uh, TikTok. Uh, and also, of course, how can they learn more about Atlas? Yeah, so um, definitely they can check out our website and that's www.atlashxm.com. That's atlashxm.com. Um, they can also find me on LinkedIn at Rick Hamill um, and you can look me up by Atlas as well. Um, and then you can also, um, on my LinkedIn, my email address is there. So feel free to send me an email. Happy to connect. Excellent. Well, that just leaves me to say for this particular HR chat, Rick, thank you very much for being my guest. The pleasure is mine. Thank you very much. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.